Welcome to season four of the You Flourish podcast, Flourish in Faith. We are high energy, enthusiastic business women who are unapologetically Christians. At You Flourish Company, we know that our world puts such a high value on success and productivity, and our faith often gets put on the back burner. So we want to help you flourish in your faith. What does flourishing in your faith really mean? It means collaborating with God in every area of your life and in every season. With friends, family, and in business meetings, God wants to have a seat at your table, but you have to invite him in. And that's why this podcast exists, to help prepare you for every curveball that comes your way so you can stay grounded and flourish in your faith. Join us every other Tuesday for a new interview with a faith leader. Now let's dive in to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the You Flourish podcast. Today, I'm super pumped up to be joined by Joe Hendricks, and he's going to share a little bit more about himself, but um, I'm excited for you guys to hear his story of um, where he's at and the life that he lives right now and how he can bring us so much wisdom. And um, I've had the honor to get to know him a little bit just through conversation, and so I'm just excited to have him here with us today. So, Joe, why don't you share more about you and all the things that we all need to know? Yeah, thanks so much, Grace. So we have something in common uh, growing up in dairy country, kind of central Minnesota stuff. So mm-hmm. I grew up on a small farm. And uh, yeah, just one of one of four came to came to Fargo for college at NDSU. And uh, that was really where I, I call it my conversion. I, I grew up in a... Um, a somewhat faith-filled home. It's not like it was always our top priority, but um, there was a role there, but I really took it seriously then for uh, really in the college years, just a campus ministry up here. So I've been working for a few different churches since then, since graduating in a a few different ministries. But um, yeah, my junior year of college, got married. Senior year, we had our first baby. So five kids later, that's, uh, that's where I'm at in a nutshell. Wow. And so tell us a little bit more about where you're working right now and like what your role looks like in your current position. Yeah. So I have an, an interesting position right now, development, which is really just nonprofit lingo for fundraising. I do that for the Newman Center at NDSU. So it's called St. Paul's Newman Center. Um, and right now, actually, this time of the year for people who are in the season of Lent, this is really the only time we talk about almsgiving as a spiritual act, right? We say like prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Um, so yeah, I get to connect some some donors with the mission we have here and uh, help them grow in that spirituality. And then of course, help power the the mission, the mission mm-hmm. here to the college students at, at NDSU and the whole area. Yeah. If you guys haven't visited the brand new Newman Center, it's absolutely beautiful and they're working on the actual church right now right do you know is there a set date now of when they think it's maybe going to be finished there there is i say it uh i kind of grit my teeth when i say it because there's been delays along the whole thing but we're told in september september yep sometime in september that's when it's slated for the actual church to be completed wow well 
So I want to back it up a little bit and um, go back to one of the comments you first just made and how you were, you got married your junior year of college and had your first kid in your senior year of college. And so I bet everyone listening is probably thinking, how the heck did you manage all of that and still go to school <laughs> and do it all? And so I'm interested to know, I mean, how did you manage all of that and, you know, still maintain like all the things that a normal college student would, but plus being a husband and a father? Yeah, good question. It was an interesting time. I, uh, at the time I would reflect because I was pretty involved in the Newman Center and that, that ministry, um, really halfway through my freshman year for the rest of, for the rest of my time at college. But I would point to like the athletes who they're like full-time college students and also like the university athletics. It just blew my mind how many hours they put in. Um, and my wife is like, yeah, you're a college student and you also work and you're married with a kid. So I was like, okay, our, our schedule is pretty wild too. Um, yeah, a lot of that was just, I mean, it had, faith had to be the foundation there, but mm -hmm. it was a really, a really hectic schedule. So, and actually my degree is nursing, um, which it's kind of funny how I ended up where I am now too, but mm -hmm. um, junior year for those who have gone, definitely at, at NDSU, but I think this is common for other programs as well. That's a really difficult year. Um, I, I would not say I flourished in my physical health during that time. Uh, like every night I got six hours of sleep. And if I had a test or something, then I would get four hours and just have more time studying and stuff like that. And that is, that is some of some people listening. You're maybe like, oh, six is normal for me. That is not how I function really well. No, <laughs> I me need either. I that. need eight. Otherwise, yeah. I'm a crabby person. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was definitely a, definitely a time of trial, but it was having the ability to look ahead kind of like hope for the thing that's that's next um and not to say it was it was all misery either there's a lot of really a lot of graces and, and blessings I enjoyed life you know mm -hmm. during those years as well but it was hey I'm doing this for a, a purpose of you know growing our family and of course just taking care of everybody there and then achieving a degree and mm -hmm. things like that so it was kind of hope for what this was for yeah well and when you think about living a life like that, where you are stretched very thin, I think a lot of people, even nowadays, even when, you know, maybe they're not in school anymore, but have a family or all these other things, um, we always are seeking balance in our lives. We're seeking to um, feel like this sense of peace that everything is perfect and it makes sense and we can do this for this amount of time and we all have this, we want this perfect balance. And I guess I would love to hear your input on what, like, finding balance in our lives like what does that really mean and what's your input on all of that and do you think work-life balance or whatever balance do you think that's achievable that we're all seeking I think so um I'll kind of tack in an asterisk onto that um and, and circle back to that really quick but I've I've become uh good friends with several pastors and priests and things like that and uh a lot of them that I know it's actually a requirement it's part of their job that they take a week every year to have a retreat mm -hmm. experience of some sort. And then a lot of them I know, they're like, oh, yeah, I'll take a week at, at one point of the year. But then at like the office in six months, I'll, I'll do a second one, something like that. So for that recharge, um, yeah, because the burnout is is real and it's easy to get there. So that recharge, in, in my mind, when I hear of balance, I think that's kind of part of it. Doing things that... Um, they're still good, their work, but it can be kind of draining and then finding an area to be more uh, life-giving or more fulfilling, something that fills you up with energy. But mm -hmm. yeah, I was at a conference not that long ago and like uh, a guy, his take, 
he said that the whole work work life balance is incredibly difficult to get and he said uh don't necessarily go for balance but go for order go for mm -hmm. an ordered life so he's like when you're at work 100 percent, you're there you're giving that you're all and when you get home be like 100 percent present so of course if you're you're in a relationship you're married you have kids that kind of thing it's yep don't just be a couch potato mm -hmm. um you know be there with your family and, and be vested or a lot of people if you're um you know you're volunteering or you're involved in whatever that is a, a church or a school or what have you but uh yeah whatever you're doing put your whole heart into that mm -hmm. so I think I think it's easier I think for me anyway that's a mindset where I can say okay the the work-life balance I'm not really great at that but then living not necessarily a balanced life but living an ordered life for me for the way that my mind works that kind of verbiage is just a little bit easier to grab mm -hmm. onto yeah that makes sense and I think it also a good way to think about it is like you said at everything you're doing just giving a hundred percent so it's like because they say, you know, if you think of it like a pie chart, like if your life was split up in a pie chart, it would all equal 100%. But it should be, should be like every piece of your life should be its own pie chart. And like, how can you fill that to 100%? And also, I think it's important to remember, like, some days we can't give 100% to everything. And that's okay. Because I think that's where burnout comes in is we put this pressure on ourselves to say, okay, I need to be perfect and 100% at this every single day. But that will never happen. And because some days you're going to get home from work and I'm sure, and I don't have kids, so I can't say this, but I'm sure you go home from work some days and you're just thinking like, oh, like it's so hard to like be present for my family right now because you're just exhausted. But mm -hmm. like, I think that's where God's grace comes in. And like, he feels that other, you know, hundred <clears> percent, <throat> he fills it up to hundred percent. Yeah. Know, what's your input on that? Yeah. I think that's stated really beautifully. That is, um, they're like one of uh one of the heroes of a lot of people from the last century would be mother Teresa, and uh some people she had that line that god will never give you a challenge greater than what you can do mm -hmm. right i'm paraphrasing but it's along those lines um and some people will hear that and they're like oh yeah that's so beautiful and other people i think it's just a different way of looking at it but they're almost offended they're like no there has been hardships in my life that i absolutely could not overcome and I would just say, I, I think what she was getting at there is just what you said with the grace of God. Like, yeah, maybe you yourself, you can't do that, but you and God working together, like working mm -hmm. within his plan for your life. Like, absolutely. Yep. He's mm -hmm. got the, got the grace for you to be able to do anything. Right. And, you know, going into the work day or whatever people do with their lives, I mean, it's really important to start our day with a strong foundation and like start keeping our eyes on Jesus right away in the morning. So that way it sets up our whole day for success, because if in the morning things are hectic and you don't take that time to just like turn your eyes on Jesus, you're going to get and get get home from work and you're going to think, oh, my gosh, maybe this is why I'm like stressed out or like having a tough time because I never took that time in the morning. Um, and so how do you and with our world being so filled with distractions and so many things that can take our attention away from God, how do you start your day? with your eyes on the Lord and then continue to focus him on him throughout the day, even when things get hectic or unexpected mm -hmm. um, in your day today? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to uh, piggyback off of another Teresa comment. She, uh, there, there was a man I was talking to who actually knew her and he said a lesson he got from her to start your day. Uh, good morning, Jesus. With those mm -hmm. three words, and that, for a lot of us, like if you're if you're in a relationship, um, 
you know, you're, you're dating or you're married to or what have you with someone amazing. They're maybe the last thing you think about before you go to sleep and the first thing you think about when you wake up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good. I think that's a really good thing. And it, it's, it's kind of a different level when you get to that point in your relationship with God where you can say, like, yeah, it's really the Lord is kind of the last thing on my mind before I go to bed and then the first thing. So if it's not, if, if he's not the first thing you think of when you wake up, uh, that's just been a really good practice for me. Like, okay, good morning, Jesus. What are we going to do now? Mm. Um, and I think that's a great way to get into that. Like this, this is the point of life to be a, a saint, so to speak, you know, to one day be in heaven. Um, so that's a really great way for the, for the initial, for the very start of my day. But, um, it was really great. It was two years ago now. I did it last year, but I know some people are familiar with the Father Mike Schmidt's The Bible in a Year podcast. Mm-hmm. That was perfect. I would listen to um, listen to that on the way to work. And that was another just hearing hearing the Bible and the commentary mm-hmm. and doing that in a drive. That was really a great way to stay, stay focused as well. And then um, really during the day, like I have, I have my Bible that I bring with me just about everywhere. And I'll say, okay, I do like a 15 minute break from work. Um, and he, like working at the Newman Center, you know, we have a chapel here, so mm-hmm. it's, it's really easy for me to find that quiet place and, uh, and read the Bible and, and it's, um, you know, we call it the living word and that's, yeah, it's not just, uh, something that was written down thousands of years ago, but a way that God can still speak to us. So mm-hmm. that many times through my life, and I would encourage any listeners, it's like, you know, I don't feel like God speaks to me. Um, that is that is one key way that he speaks just through the through the scripture. So mm-hmm. uh, that has been that's really been an anchor in my life. Just finding time every day, not even that much time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just a really little window, but reading a, a chapter from the gospel, something like that. Mm-hmm. How like what advice would you give people who maybe want to start, like want to start their day in prayer, or have more of like a set schedule, or um maybe be more accountable for themselves. Like what, what should people do when they're just starting? Because I think it seems like I do this, like I'm all or nothing. Like if I miss one day then I'm like, Oh, I guess doesn't really matter anymore. You know, like I need to keep on track, but sometimes I find it very hard to just simply start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the million dollar question. (laughs) I, (laughs) there was a, a Christian personal trainer that I knew. And he said it was, it, this works both ways, like with your, your physical fitness and also um, spirituality. He mm-hmm. said the most important day is actually the second day, like the day after you don't mm-hmm. do it, the day after you forget, because it's so easy for that domino effect. It's like, okay, I didn't pray at all yesterday, or like I didn't, mm-hmm. and I didn't go for a jog. I didn't go to the gym, whatever the case is, um, to miss one day, then it can stack up really easy. So mm-hmm. to say, okay, I missed yesterday today. I'm actually going to do it. Um, and at this time, so for me, the whole accountability thing, a lot of my life is on my Google calendar on my phone and I will have to plug in there. Okay. If I want like a serious, I'm going to take 30 minutes here and just go to a church and be in the silence and pray. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to schedule that because otherwise it's really hard to find the time. But if you make the time, if you can be proactive like that, I think that's the, that's the best way to mm-hmm. get in front of it and make sure it happens. Yeah, I think if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't happen. And that's totally yeah. like how my life works too. Like I need to have things on my calendar. Otherwise, I won't do it. But you made me think of, uh, and I think I've talked about this on this podcast before, but the book um, Atomic Habits. 
Yeah. And how I love the one section about habit stacking. And like, we don't want to think about our faith as a habit, but also it is, it needs to be a habit. So I don't want to like say that in a negative way, but it is a habit. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to like habit stacking, so it's like, if you want to read the Bible more, okay, like first, what does that look like for you? Is that five minutes a day? Okay, great. But then like pairing that with something else that you do every single day, or that brings you joy, that makes you excited. And like, for me, I know like, so for Lent, for instance, I gave up hitting snooze in my alarm. So now I actually have to like get up in the morning and I'm like, okay, I have all this time. Like, it's so weird. I have all this time now. But, um, and now I'm like, okay, I love like drinking warm coffee or like tea in the morning. And so that just, I think about that before I fall asleep of how much I'm looking forward to this warm cup in the morning. But it's like, if I pair that with, so if I drink my warm tea or coffee, then I pair that with prayer time. I know that I'm getting, yes, two amazing things. But one thing that comes very easily to me is the coffee or the tea, you know, and then the prayer is just getting added, like you're stacking them together. Um, I don't know. That's what I do. Yeah, (laughs) that's, that's really beautiful. Uh, That makes me think there, there was a guy, he was actually a Catholic bishop. His name was Fulton Sheen. He had a show in the 70s. It's called Life is Worth Living. Um, and he won Emmy Awards. And the show, it was just him and a blackboard, like a chalkboard. <laughs> and he was in front of the camera. He just he was this incredible speaker. Um, but he uh, he was approached. It was a, a church. And they said that there um, are people who are studying to one day be priests. They're seminarians. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, hey, we have them all get to the chapel at 7 o'clock for morning prayer. And some of these guys are complaining. They're like, oh, do we really have to fast? Like, can we have coffee before that? And Fulton Sheen is like, let them have coffee before their meditation. And that's actually at, at the Newman Center. In the, we have a little coffee shop in there, Crux Coffee. Uh-huh. We have that like right on the wall. It's let them have coffee before their meditation. <laughs> and uh, I think I that is that. a really, it, it's a powerful, like, yeah, you can put together kind of natural acts with grace-filled acts. So you can say, okay, my coffee, my tea, the thing that I really like doing. Mm-hmm. I, I can pair that and it totally makes sense. And it works with, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to sit down and pray or read the Bible, mm-hmm. um, you know, very much a spiritual act like that. And they mm-hmm. can, we can help ourselves out, help each other out in that way. Right. And I do think like sitting in silence and like in solitude is super important, but there are things you can do. Like another thing I do is I'm listening to the catechism in a year right now, actually. So that's yeah. my other thing, but I usually do it in the morning or if I go to the gym, I know I'm always walking. So I'll listen to that in my headphones. Like you can pair it with other things, but like, obviously I think it's so important to find at least a little bit of solitude and like silent time and like just to yourself. But I think it's okay to pair things with other things to be able to still receive those graces. Um, yeah. But well, that brings me to my other question is when I talked a little bit about, and we talked a little bit about accountability and keeping ourselves accountable but what about when it comes to others and especially when you said you've worked at a couple different places and you've had the privilege to work in places like churches where hopefully a lot of people maybe have the same like goals and things when it comes to their faith but how can we challenge others and keep others accountable in our workplace to really dive deeper into their faith or get motivated um in all aspects of our life like how can we help others do the things that we're even working on yeah that's a great question it's it's one of those things i i don't it is difficult i don't think it's complicated <laughs> but it's 
it's difficult. Um, there's been different Bible studies I've been a part of that, uh, like in college, it would have even been every week we got together or, or in the years after that, like every other week or once a month, um, where, uh, it's, it's really just, Hey, can we all, can we all just set kind of a goal, a goal as far as growing in the faith? And then we review that every time we got together, just kind of go, go around the circle, um, and provide a little encouragement. And, uh, and I, I think that's, that's the right word for it. It was encouragement, but at the same time, in that context of being able to challenge someone, it's like, okay, this is a relationship where we we're good friends, right? We trust mm-hmm. each other. Uh, like heaven is the goal. And then if someone says, oh yeah, I wanted to read, um, I wanted to quit hitting snooze, right? Or some other goal. Like I wanted to read just one chapter of the gospel. I'm going through Matthew or what, whatever the goal is every day. Uh, I haven't done that now for like a week straight. It's, okay. What, how can I help you? Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, can you send me a text every every day at this time? Ask me if I've done it yet. Uh, I think, yeah, I think we know, we kind of know what we need. It's just having that, having that accountability partner, so to speak, to help guide us there. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a kind of, or, or people that are listening, if you have a group like that, or you're part of a book club or maybe a Bible study or something, um, I would even venture to say it's probably the type of thing where if you brought that up, there'd be other people in that group that said, thank you. Like I've, I've been thinking of this. I need this. You guys probably do too, but none of us have just had the gumption to say it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the whole uh, challenging each other, encouraging each other, holding each mm-hmm. other accountable, that's the kind of thing. It's actually, it's difficult to bring up, but that's, that's a desire that we all have. We all want to mm-hmm. be better. Yeah. And I think Especially, and I don't know if you've had experience with this, but I'm I'm sure you have, like when it comes to evangelizing or just like sharing the faith of people who maybe you don't, whether you don't know that where they stand on their faith or you know that they have, they're, they're so far away from their faith. But we all know like the desires of the heart is to be close to God, but maybe people don't know it yet. And so sometimes it can be really scary to share with people. And so I would love to hear if you've ever had any like experience with sharing with somebody that maybe it was really scary to share with them uh, about your faith or, um, you know, diving deeper into their faith faith, and like how you approach that conversation and how we can approach other people who in our workplaces, in our friendships, um, and how can we share the gospel with them fearlessly? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm th- there's a <laughs> yeah, there's kind of a number of different things popping into my head. I'm wondering which which direction to go with with sharing the faith or encouraging others <clears throat> others to share it as well. There's uh there is a quote that I think it's actually a misquote. It gets attributed to um, Saint Francis of Assisi that it, you mm-hmm. know if you see the statue of a monk with a bunch of animals, that's him, um, and it's share the gospel at all time use words when necessary or use mm-hmm. words if necessary. So some people will take that and say like, oh, I, I don't actually have to tell anybody about about the faith. Like I don't have to talk about Jesus at all. I just live a good and noble life. And that's that's me sharing the gospel. And that like we should be doing that, right? We should be a good example there. Um, but no, like <laughs> we need, uh, Jesus told us to go and make disciples of all nations. Um, so there was, there was one guy that actually, he used that quote with me and he said, yeah, my, my efforts in evangelizing and sharing the faith has always been, I'm just going to live like in an honorable way. 
Mm. And like when people just watch you like hold the door open for someone or do something good like that, do they know that that's, you do that because of Jesus? No. Um, I think asking, asking those really the questions that kind of make you pause for a bit, for a minute to think. I think that's a great way to, to have those difficult conversations. It's, it's probably more important to actually, at least in the beginning, to ask good questions rather than to, to make a really good statement. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite ways now, I heard this really recently, uh, there's a priest, Father John Ricardo. Um, when somebody will ask him a question, it can be like almost anything in life. He said, yeah, I share the gospel now. Like it's in almost every conversation in some way or another. But he'll say, you know, before I answer that, can I explain to you? And he wears glasses, so it makes it really easy. He's like, I, these glasses, this is like the Christian lens by which I see everything. I, my answer, I don't know if it'll make sense if I don't first explain to you. Like when I wake up every morning, I put on this lens that is God. Can I, can I tell you a little bit? Like this is my viewpoint of the world. This is how I see the world. They're like, yeah, okay. And then he will just go through a, really a gospel presentation you know, in a matter of a couple minutes. And uh, I'm like, that is such a brilliant way of evangelizing, saying, because mm-hmm. I mean, we ask each other questions and small talk and stuff like that. And if it's anything that's a little deeper saying, before I answer that, can I just share with you the way that I see the world? And that'll make sense of my answer. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a good point. Just coming, coming at it from a point or from a standpoint of like, this is how I see the world, like not pushing it on you to say, you have to believe what I believe, but like sharing that this is just my viewpoint. Um, I also do love that, that quote, like use words as necessary though, because I think that is so powerful too. Like, yes, we are called to like share the gospel as much as we possibly can, but like in a way we act you know, that is so important to you. Like, it's not just about the things yeah. you say because anyone could say all these things, but if you aren't living like, you know, a God-filled life, like you, we won't be able to see it by your actions, you know? And so yeah, I think that's very interesting. Um, well, yeah, when it comes to like, also on a college campus, I would love to get your, your input on, I mean, the, the college campus can be a very hard place to really bring people to their faith or there are a lot of people who are completely, you know, falling away from their faith um, because it's a really, it's a really hard place to be. College is a hard place to be. Let's just be real. Um, yes. <laughs> and so like, how do you go out and um, help people and bring them back to their faith in a place like a college campus? I mean, I know it's not your like, exact job to be that person but just in general I mean how can how can we like all help college students I guess do like yeah Yeah, for sure well if if that's okay I'll share a little bit of my own story yes please yeah so my like the whole fall semester of my freshman year it was just like the the stereotypical college scene that you might see in a movie or something and just all about the partying and stuff like that and um and not even every Sunday, like most Sundays, I would I would go to church because that's what I was used to, right? That's what I would grow up with. Mm-hmm. But I met uh, he was um, he was actually a missionary with Focus. His name's Lucas, and just like outside of outside of the church, outside of Mass one day. And his example, like he didn't sit down and say, "Hey, can I share the gospel with you?" But just in talking to him for a few minutes, there were two things that he had that I didn't: joy and peace. 
Mm. I was like, okay, this guy, um, what is that old, <laughs> the country song, looking for love in all the wrong places, <laughs> right? Like I, I was yearning for something. So I'd go and get, get really drunk with my friends. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. maybe this will make me happy. And then of course, the next morning you feel terrible and you're hungover and can't do anything the whole morning. Uh, so it was like, I was chasing after the stuff that I thought would make me happy. Mm. And it was just really leaving me empty. So now seeing this one person who was just really practicing the Christian faith and he had this joy about him and he was also at peace. It was like, I can tell there's not just this longing for like the next pleasure filled thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he had this kind of peace that could only come from Jesus. So really being just like you said a little bit ago, it's the, it, it is the actions. Like we do need to share it by the way, the way that we live our life. That was a great example in itself. And I thought, I don't know much about this guy, but I want to spend more time with him and I want to figure out what he has. Um, and then when I was intrigued, then he could really easily, like he had my attention. So then he could share, share the gospel with me and, and talk about his faith. So I think for a lot of that, um, you know, for the college students, there are so many distractions on campus and it's kind of a given like the old adage uh sex drugs and rock and roll it's like this mm-hmm. is kind of the life that's pushed on them that's that's there's a lot of pressure there and saying that's not gonna um that's not gonna lead you to happiness so probably finding that common ground and saying we all want to be happy though right like no nobody, yeah. nobody wants to be miserable um and there's a better way there's a better way to do that mm-hmm. so i think a lot of it starts uh yeah right from there Mm-hmm. I think that can relate to anybody, though. <clears throat> and just thinking about, you know, everyone who's like in the workforce or whatever, like we are seeking happiness. And to go back to what we talked about with balance and all these different things, like we're all seeking this like peace and this joy that we yeah. and it's like we're seeking for it or we're looking for it in all the wrong places in like working to harder jobs, like all these different things. It's like these aren't like, yes, they're amazing. Some of these things are actually great. But like, mm-hmm. will they bring us everlasting joy and peace? Probably not. And so, like, if our foundation isn't set on, like, our eyes aren't set on the Lord, we we really never will be able to find that true peace and joy. Um, so I just think it's kind of like convicting a little bit to even say that out loud because as I sit here, and I'm sure as you sit here, we probably all both have things that we're we seek that are worldly. But it's, um, yeah. I think it's so important just to remember, like, this isn't this isn't it, you know, this isn't everything. Like there's something so much better and like someone who loves us so much that will bring us that joy. So why, like, why are we seeking, seeking in things that we know, we know, we know. know? (laughs) Absolutely. Oh gosh. Well, Joe, before we wrap up, I just have one last question that I want to ask you that I ask everybody on our podcast um, is I would love to hear your favorite Bible verse and why this is your favorite yeah so it's uh john 10 10 and specifically if you look at that whole verse it'd be specifically the second half but it's from jesus he says i've come that you may have life and have it to the fullest Mm. and that i heard that like i I mentioned before my freshman year the first semester was kind of wasted on on a on a certain way of living that was far from god um and there is a a retreat conference that I went to and uh and I was sold on it because it was January in Fargo and this conference was happening in Orlando (laughs) and I'm like oh perfect (laughs) let me get out of the cold for a while but uh but the theme of that um that religious conference it was John 10 10 I've come that you may have life and have it to the full 
And I thought, this is perfect. Like I'm clearly desiring, I, I want a good life, right? Nobody wants to live mediocre. Mm -hmm. um, and then all these other things I'm pursuing that aren't God, I'm not getting it. So that was like exactly what I needed to hear at exactly the right moment. And that's really always, that's stuck out, always stuck with me, that John 10, 10. Mm. That's so beautiful. That's actually the same exact way that I have my favorite verses from a Quinnia retreat. Um, and it's like for the no for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. That that verse. And so that one just sticks with me yeah. everywhere I go. And I just like think it's crazy where they come to you. And then after that, it feels like that verse keeps coming to you and coming to you. And it's like, okay, okay, God, I hear you. Um, <laughs> yeah. but I think that's so beautiful. Um yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that one. It was so great. Um, yeah, of course. Thank you. Well, Joe, this has been a wonderful conversation and I just love to talk a lot about like balance and the things that we all are seeking in this world. But um, I think the ultimate thing I took away from our conversation is that like we're seeking things of the world, but the only thing will truly bring us joy in that balance that we're seeking is the Lord. Um, and so thank you so much. And do you have any last thoughts? I guess I I can just talk forever, but do you have any last thoughts for everybody? <laughs> well, I thought, uh, thanks so much for sharing your your favorite verse as well. That's my wife's mm. also. Um, yeah, some sometimes uh, I guess my final thought just on the verse that you shared, I yeah. think some people might, they might think, oh, you know, if I really, if I pursue this relationship with Jesus, I might have to give up things that I really like. It's like, you know, his, his plans for you are for welfare. They're for your good, not for your, not for your bad. So whatever he has in store for you is definitely better than what you might already have. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Even if it seems scary, it's not, yeah. you just have to trust. So yeah. if anyone wants to hear my story on scariness, like giving stuff up, you don't have to, but it's, I also, maybe I should do a podcast just myself and I should just talk about my whole life story. I don't know. Absolutely. You should. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, Joe, thank you so much. And thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, Grace. It's been awesome.